Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Betsy and Clark. We recorded this a couple weeks ago over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Shout out to Timothy Schaffer, Get Up in the Cool's newest Patreon supporter. Your support means a lot, especially now, when the show takes so much more effort and energy to produce. So thank you so much, Timothy. To anyone listening who isn't currently supporting the show and wants to chip in, go to patreon.com slash getupinthecool, which is linked in the show notes for this episode, and sign up for an amount that you can sustain and get some exclusive rewards. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Betsy and Clark, but first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Across the sea. Going across the sea. Betsy and Clark, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Hey, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
Who's going across the sea is that? That's from Bob Holt, who was a wonderful fiddler from southern Missouri, a Ozark fiddler who played for dances every week for who knows how many decades. And uh, Ava, correct? Yeah, he lived in Ava, Missouri. And, um, uh, you know, he, he – it was funny. Uh, I – heard well i first saw him in the late 90s when i was all the way over in uh west virginia at elkins at the um uh augusta heritage center's old time week and uh he was there as a master visiting artist and he was good friends with uh, the ilmo boys from the st louis area and and they would be jamming and playing everything every afternoon but i when i heard his fiddling i thought oh that's the stuff you know i was i i, I grew up in the ozarks but um I didn't play fiddle music when I was growing up. I played the violin. Uh, I was exposed to to fiddle music in the early years just from being around, you know, gatherings or little festivals or, or uh, um, different events. And I heard Ozark fiddling, but it wasn't until much later that it got into my soul. And then when I heard Bob Holt in person, it was just, oh boy, that's the stuff. It's such a strong right arm, just such drive. And uh, yeah, so his going across the sea is one that Clark and I really enjoy playing so much that we never get tired of it. We open up most of our concerts with it, in fact. It's, it's, it's actually become sort of a ritual or meditation uh, we just play that tune to uh, shake out the yayas. Uh, you know, we almost always start a set with that tune just to uh, just to relax and um, and uh, get settled into what we're doing. So it's it's a it's a ritual. Yeah, it's like a perfect tune for that. There's just enough space to get pretty creative with it. <laughs> Yeah, which you did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there's not like so many notes that are crucial that it's like, oh, I hope I get this passage this time through or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's got space and and, and room for expression, and uh, but it's also got space to just kind of nail it and relax as you nail it. You know, if if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. getting them out. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Betsy, you said that you heard some like Ozarks fiddling when you were playing violin as a kid. Um, like, what kind of exposure did you have? Like, were you seeking out, or were, was your family seeking out traditional music, or, or was there just enough of it around? Yeah, that you heard some. I wasn't seeking it out at all. Um, I, I uh, you know, was taking violin lessons. I loved the instrument. I loved music in general. And even, you know, before I was in junior high, I was listening to, well, a lot of rock and roll and stuff like that, honestly. But in northwest Arkansas, where I grew up, and I grew up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, um, 
you know, there were all these little different, oh, you know, there's different events that would take place, uh, you know, a fall event with crafts and music and food and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, like at Pea Ridge, where there was a battle during the Civil War, uh, uh, Pea Ridge, Arkansas, there was a festival there, and I know there was old-time music played there, but also... Um, uh, in my earlier years, my family went to the uh, Ozark Folk Center in Mountain View, Arkansas, and there was a lot of music there, for sure, as has been for many, many, many decades. And, uh, you know, the thing is, it didn't sink in super deep at the time. However, a seed was planted, and... Mm. I didn't from that trip. Uh, yeah, that one in particular because uh you know the what what stuck out and it, it came came back to me in the form of a cassette tape. <laughs> um so, you know, fast forward many years later, I moved up to Kansas City to go to a music conservatory and also get an English degree and all that in college uh through the late 80s and in the early 90s while playing some different experimental but still somewhat f- starting to become folk. The the term fiddle was still verboten in my lexicon it was a violin even though i played all kinds of different stuff you know from rock and roll to uh you know just uh, improvised music and delving into lightly delving into jazz and such like that all kinds of stuff world folk music and then uh i well, I, I like to say sometimes that Alison Krauss was a little bit of a gateway for me. Um, I had I, I got to hear some Alison Krauss playing her fiddle and singing with her golden voice, and you know this is circa nineteen ninety three or four, and uh, I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And um, well, I'll try to make a long story short, but I think it's pretty important actually to mention at the time I was working as a secretary at the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art here in Kansas City. And where I worked was also very interesting. It was in the conservation department. And my boss, the chief conservator, Forrest Bailey, he was a fan of all the different kinds of music that I did. You know, he knew I was playing gigs and coffee houses and bars and all that stuff all the time, all night while I'd worked for him all day. And uh, I started hearing some bluegrass music and I told him about it. I said, Forrest, I'm listening to some bluegrass music. And he said, oh, interesting. The next day he came back with several records that he loaned me. And they weren't fiddle music, but they were old-time music. And old-time mm. guitar and banjo recordings, um, including, well, Art Rosenbaum, who... I, I, I wanted great, to say... Oh, go yeah, ahead. I yeah. wanted to say... I, wanted, I was hoping to interject that Forrest, uh, one of Forrest's, uh, your, your mentor uh, in the conservative conservancy department was uh, his best friend was Art Rosenbaum. Who was, well, that's the thing. He was one of my absolute banjo heroes. Well, yeah. Mm. yeah. So people who love old time music know that what Art has added to, you know, just uh, understanding more about the different aspects of banjo. So back in the 1960s, Art Rosenbaum and my former boss, Forrest Bailey, were art instructors at the University of Iowa. But the other thing they did during that time is they would go to Sacred Harp Sings. 
And mm. they would listen to recordings that were starting to come out, you know, during that era of revival of old time music. And, you know, I don't know at what point Art picked up the banjo, but I would have to guess it was about that time. And Forrest didn't play, but he did he did sing. Actually, we he he, he and I went to a Sacred Harp sing uh, a couple, about 100 miles away from Kansas City at one point together, which was a monumental event. But, you know, the thing is, he he knew about bluegrass and he knew about old time. And I didn't know that he knew those things. And I, so when he... he I, I just want to... I just have Clark. to say this. I'm so sorry. But I'm like, Betsy, neither neither of us have had like actual day jobs. Like we work really hard. We are hardworking people. But we've never had... Actu- we haven't had actual day jobs in a really long time. And I'm just reflecting on the fact that the last actual day job you had, your boss took you a hundred miles to a sacred harp scene. I know. <laughs> and in an unrelated that's, field. That's yeah. pretty freaking special. Like, I mean, that's, I mean, like. Or an HR worthy visit. You yeah, know, exactly. Like, depending on who you are. <laughs> yeah, depending on who you are. That's either like pure fucking magic or like, oh shit, let's cover our ass. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is that, 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 is the turning point in my life and my musical mm. life and my ongoing celebration and study of old time music through Forrest loaning me these albums. And then my bandmate at the time, we had a duo. And back in those days, in the you know early mid 90s, at the public libraries, you could still check out records. LPs, like, with a checkout slip. (laughs) And so I started sharing this music with my bandmate, Phil, my my duo partner. And he went to the library, and he started finding these records, and they were all these field recordings. And the thing was, we got very excited at the time, like, was starting to seek out, okay, well, what's out there? You know, with old-time fiddle music, and, and, and Phil was playing guitar when we were doing that stuff, but then he had picked up a banjo, and, and uh, well, so we heard Tommy and Fred, right? Tommy Jarrell and Fred Cockerham, and that, you know, it's kind of a seminal album called Tommy and Fred, and, and uh, we thought that was just fantastic, but for me, I thought... Well, this is otherworldly. I can't relate to this at all. And then through hmm. the albums that that were available at the Kansas City Public Library, there were all these recordings of Ozark fiddlers. And we started checking those out and listening to them. And it was that music that took me back. And I it was sort of a flash of lightning, I suppose, when I remembered, you know, I heard some of this stuff when I was a kid. And I didn't really understand what that was about. And now I do. Because you see, when I heard, and I, you know, I still love Tommy Gerald's fiddling. And I can play some of those tunes, you know, but to some degree. But it's the Ozark fiddling that was part of my upbringing, even on a more um, uh, slanted level or just not as direct a level as seeking it out. The seed Parents was planted. Parents weren't necessarily playing it or 
or exposing you to it or dragging you to square dances. Not, yeah, a, yeah. not, not at yeah. all. No, we had we listened to other kinds of music. You know, I, classical, Broadway, I, and all I, kinds I, of I stuff. Like to say, I just, I like to say it was in the water. It was in the water. It's sort yeah. of like I mean to borrow an art term. Since I was working at the art museum at the time, it's sort of my provenance. You know, the music of the place. I'm familiar with that. Provenance <laughs> is like where is it from? You know, yeah. like where is this stuff from? Uh, and and that's. That's where the music that made sense to me is from. It's the Ozark fiddling, and it felt like home when I mm. heard that music. And I thought, well, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I was trying to like tap into the excitement of world folk music, which is really tremendous and wonderful. But it's not. It's not my own culture, and that's fine too. People can. We should all explore whatever cultures we want to do. But my home culture, even if I wasn't. Um, completely immersed in it as a child it's the Ozarks and that's my place of home and so yeah you know it, it it's it, yeah go ahead Clark you've got a thing uh, no, I can tell no I'm just uh, I'm just I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no and I've just I've just honestly honestly been fascinated with 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 that concept what you just tapped into is connection to place even if you weren't connected to it when you were a kid or directly consciously connected mm. to it when you were a kid but then when you grow up and you 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 follow these threads and you end up you end up right back where you started like you end up connecting to which is the same thing that happened to me which if if we talk about that we'll get to but like it just Oh yeah, I would like you to after like after yeah. we play another tune. I I have a bunch of questions for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just it just it just it, it like it's it's my favorite thing about you except for all the other things that I love about you is is that <laughs> is that like you literally grew up in the thick of it and then you discovered what the thick of it was two decades later as an adult. You yeah. know, and that and that and that like I mean, and that that just it just fascinates me so much. Like when I say it's in the water, like you know, it's a fun thing to say, but at the same time, like I truly believe it. I I think there's something about place that transcends like the direct things that we experience. That gets hmm. that gets into our identity. Yeah, I'm a big fan of like the idea of seeds getting planted, and they can get planted at any time in our lives, and we don't even have to cultivate them right away. But if they're there, sure. and yeah. then we discover them later, and we can give them some water and give them some fuel and food and everything, I mean, there's no telling what we can get from that. I think I have an idea what our next tune should be. What are we gonna play? On that. Yeah, yeah, because um, you know that's where we're headed, right, Cameron? Because I don't even know when. Yeah, I would love to hear another tune. Let's 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 have What's a next? tune. I Am think, I going to play the banjo or the guitar? I think you might play the guitar because oh. we're going to go. I think we need to go to G because I think we need to play a uh, tune from Emmanuel Wood. Oh yeah, and um, I think uh, yeah we we should play a uh, what is it? Uh, 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 Walk along, John. Ooh, that's a, oh, um, I usually play that and on the banjo. So a lot of people play this tune called um, 
walk along John to Kansas. Can I play that on this one? I'm familiar. It's a totally different tune. It's a totally different tune. Can I play that? Because I usually you can, but it's in G. I know. Okay, Um, so. He's got another banjo that's in G. So, by the way, yeah, Clark was playing on Going Across the Sea. He played his, what we call his low banjo, which is um, uh, tuned to the key of D. So it's it's a, a, a fourth lower than the standard banjo. And now he's picked up his... Uh, his G banjo, oh, which, by the way, he built from scratch. The D banjo, he pretty much oh, wow. rebuilt. It's sort of a Frankenstein instrument. Um, and he's probably not going to be able to... We can't really mute the microphone while this happens. So this is like kind of behind-the-scenes stuff. But, uh, uh, yeah, after we got together, Clark built this banjo that he's going to play on the next tune uh, from scratch, from the ground up. But the other banjo, which he had had before we met, which is over six years ago now uh he did a lot of work on it um and essentially rebuilt the whole thing without taking it all apart and all of that but since sure. since the get-go uh, from the beginning of our time playing together uh it, it started out with with just simply me with two fiddles and clark with two banjos you know, and then it continues to expand a bit um, uh, since guitar happens a whole lot too. But yeah, you know, I thought it'd be after talking about how the Ozark fiddling hit home with me, I'll mention an album that is a seminal album for my whole coming into place and understanding and realizing that I'm meant to continue playing this Ozark music and, and mm. just, you know, I. Everything I've done in in the old time world, I've been, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a, whatever, underdog. You know, I had a band, I had a band called the Wilders that was like really pretty darn successful. We toured around, we played, we had about a, what was it, a 16 year career and international tour. We had amazing times with that. Um, Mm. We weren't like commercially famous, but what old time band is? Well, there's a couple, but not too many. So, but at any rate, with the Ozark music still, it's getting a little bit more attention as the years go on, which is wonderful because, you know, it's just, there's so much special Ozark uh, fiddle and string band music and singers and all of that. Um, but uh, the album that, that really sealed the deal for me that we checked out from the library uh, was an album called I'm Old, But I'm Awfully Tough. And I think the subtitle is Masters of the Ozark Region. And it's it's fiddlers, it's banjo players, it's singers, and uh, it's... I'm pretty sure it never got digitally redistributed, but uh, but there are pl- probably places where people can tap into it. And the first fiddler, after a, a acapella introduction from Tip McKinney, who was in Pope's Arkansas Mountaineers, but I'm dropping names here, uh, was a, a fiddler called Emmanuel Wood. And I've actually met some of his descendants um, over the years, which is super meaningful. Emmanuel Wood played about three or four fiddle tunes uh, right there at the almost the top of that album. And one of them was this. Walk Along John. I'm sure I don't play it exactly like him anymore, but but it was one of the first one of the first fiddle tunes that I really tried to learn by ear on my own at home before we had the benefits of slow down type software. Yeah. You know? So it's a great tune and 
It ain't Walk Along John to Kansas, but it's Walk Along John, and my friend Violet Hensley plays it, and there's an old uh, children's song with that same title, and it's Walk Along John with your paper collar on. If you can't get it off, you'll never get it on. And you can hear that <laughs> in the melody of this. Yep, yep. Walk along, John. I, I I went ahead and broke a bow hair on that one just for fun. <laughs> wow, what a cool tune. I especially like the part where it goes do do da ba ba da da. I know. <laughs> it's, like, it's so great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's like funky. <laughs> well, yeah. I have I have I I definitely have to say I have funkified it up a lot, and I wasn't planning on us playing today. I'm glad we have, uh, because I've been playing it for so long, you see. You know, I, I, I learned that back well, in the mid-90s. I just want to say this thing, yeah. because uh, over the last six months or so, I've been teaching classes for the um, St. Louis Folk School, and we this was one of the ones we worked on, and I went back to school, so to say, to listen again to, and I found some great field recordings that are available on YouTube, thanks to uh, the great scholar and, and guitar player and celebrant and, uh, you 
yeah, just an amazing person, Gordon McCann, and I uh, found a cool live version of Amanda Wood playing that tune, and I I was re-educated on some of the different things he did with it, but between that and even the time from that commercial recording that was made, and but in this the excitement of this moment here, I went kind of defaulted to the way that I've been playing it for a long time. But people yeah. who want to listen and hear some of the other like exquisite alternative ways to voice those phrases, oh, there's some good stuff out there. There mm. is. I was going to say um, I defaulted to the way that I normally play that tune. About um, after the second or third time through the, <laughs> we, we, have, we, have, we haven't played it in a while. It's been so a long I time. Like, I know how this goes, and I know. Oh yeah, that's how. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. So after on about time three, I was like, oh yeah, that's how, that. That's how I play it. Yeah. It was an adventure. Um, yeah, uh, which is, which is. Kind of my favorite. One of my favorite things about old time music is is the perpetual, uh, like forgetting and then honing and then rehoning. Yeah, yeah. There's like it's. I I don't, I don't know. I don't. It's like if you have someone say, "I love those variations," and you you mean when I was starting to remember how the tune went? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I also enjoyed that. <laughs> So enjoyed that because man, it started to really it started to really happen about that time. <laughs> so, yeah. Clark, where is your um, provenance to use my new vocabulary <laughs> word? Oh man, well, well, uh, so my direct old time provenance. Uh, um, also, with, you have roots here in Kansas City too. I mean, you know, well, is yeah, that where you're coming coming to us from then? Is that where you live these days? We are in Kansas City, Missouri. Just okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a good thing for everyone to know. We are in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, now, where is that in proximity to the Ozarks? My concept of my geography of that area is pretty that, bad. That is directly north northwest of the Ozarks. Yeah. Okay. If we so just if, if we just start if, heading if, down south for a couple you go hours for south, there. not even yeah, like south an hour. Cool. You're you're officially in the Ozarks, and then yeah, it's Ozark so. tangential. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is indeed. Yeah. Um, and Ozark um, adjacent. Great. Yeah, Ozark adjacent. So my provenance, uh, my old time provenance, has nothing to do with the Ozarks. It is uh, has a lot more to do with East Texas. Um, I was born in East Texas. I was born in Texarkana. And um, uh, on my mom's side of the family, they are all from uh, Northeast Texas in the uh, Yantis, Quitman, Mineola area. And if you know, if you hear the word Mineola, you might be reminded of the, the tune Mineoli, Mineola Rag from, sure, the East, yes. from, the, from the East Texas Serenaders. And um, and Very that good. is that is that is where my family is from, is is Northeast Texas, and that, that's where I was born, and that's where I spent a lot of my youth. And um, um, my grandmother was um, was I, I believe either nine of ten or ten or 
of 11 children. She was born in 1927. And I have all these, I have these great photographs um, from the 20s. No, no, no. She was not born in 1927. She was born in... 1907 or 17? 1913. And I have photos, photos in like 1927 of her with a guitar and my, and my uncle's and stuff sitting around outside of the barn with guitars and fiddles and stuff. And so, uh, I mean, they, they, they were, they were farmers in East Texas and they played fiddles and, uh, guitars and, Mm. and, um, and those, those are the people that I grew up knowing. Um, Did they play uh, like uh, Texas contest style or like the kitchen music, like the like the more old time of that region? Or do they play East Texas Serenaders tunes? What do they What do they play? Well, you know, by the by the time by the time I knew them at the at the um, family, re- we had an annual family reunion. Usually in Quitman, Texas, um, at the park, and um, I have photos as far as the late '60s of of them playing fiddles and and stuff at these at this family reunion that went on for decades. But by the time I was going, they were not picking. Yeah, um, it's just so, yeah. No, it just it. I mean, they they were just really old. You know, my grandmother was the youngest, the 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 yeah. second to the youngest of of eleven um, kids. So um, so by the time in the you know in the seventies and eighties when I was going, they they weren't picking and playing anymore. They were more interested in me playing the piano, like playing Bach for them or whatever. Um, then they parallels. were, yeah. Then they were like, pick, so like, um, so 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 it's so it's again a situation of it was in the water, yeah. rather rather than I got it directly. But I will say, probably a good guess is that they weren't so much doing what what developed into the contest style playing because otherwise, some of them would have maybe entered some contests and that would be part of the family history. Well, so and so, you know took third in the contest, you know, in, in such and such a year, you know, but, uh, uh, and I, I love the fantasize that, you know, maybe some of them knew some of the East Texas serenaders and maybe some of that music got across, but, uh, uh, but, but that's, you well, know, I mean, I mean, to history. The, the, I mean, the reality is that it would be, it's almost impossible that some of that my aunts and uncles didn't know the East Texas serenaders huh. be, because, um, I mean, the population was just so small, and the, yeah, and the they population would have been gathering. centers were actually small. Sure. So everyone um, knew each other, especially everyone the musicians. knew each other, even if you lived eighty miles away. Yeah. Because oh. because there were only really a few hundred people in the community, even in a two hundred mile radius. So, yeah. So so that's my old time provenance which is completely indirect like <laughs> no, no, none of it was directly transmitted to me through family members that's just hmm. that's just some of the some of the heritage that I have that I'm that I'm lucky to have found and and I'm so glad to have those photographs you know I have 10 to 20 photographs of of my family in the from the, in the 20s 
in the 30s, mm. and then all the way into the 60s of, of my family uh, playing this music. So I'm really lucky to have that. But nobody taught me these tunes. Right. So when did like banjo enter the picture for you? Or is that how you got into playing this music now? It's through the uh, banjo? or it, Yeah. No, the banjo is what brought me to this music for sure. Um, uh, the, the I mean... Man, I've told I've told this story so much that uh, uh, it it almost feels rehearsed. But I'm just, <laughs> but I, you know, like I, I tell this a lot, but I don't care. I'm going to tell it again because it's like it's absolutely true. It's really what happened was I was I was a keyboard player more than anything else. Keyboard player. Yeah, playing Bach um, for for your aunts and uncles. Yes, no, yeah. I w- I was a like I I studied like 20th century composition and jazz oh, in good. college, and then I played keys in rock and funk bands. And like, you cool. also played cello when you're yes. you know, yeah yeah exactly. Yeah. And I played cello, but but like you know at this point like I was on tour. I I was in touring bands playing, and I was also producing records for people, like. Like, that was my thing. Like, I was playing some, like, crazy modern music and mostly known as a keyboard player. And I burnt out. Like, I just, just got tired, you know? Um, is it because of how exhausting it is to do yeah, that Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it that did, why? Yeah, but the both, well, A, playing the piano is exhausting. But, 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 especially if you have like yeah. three keyboards but, and extra but, stuff that you're but, plugging into. But making records and like, you know, touring, you know, I think, uh, I think, I mean, my personal record, like, you know, it was hundreds of days on the road, but my personal, I think, record was 29 shows in 29 cities in 29 days. You know, and and I awful. And, I yeah, hate the story. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Tired just listening. To it. Yeah, like I. I no wonder you burnt out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and you know, it's a thing. Like I, I didn't mind being a road dog, but like I was doing that, and like I wasn't treating myself well either. Sure. So like, so all of the above um, contributed. Uh, one of my favorite little things was like I was dressed kind of like I am now, which is like a hoodie and well, I'm in sweats. I was in jeans, but like I got on a plane and sat down, um, you know, dressed in a hoodie and jeans and a, and a stuffy business suit dude was like, sat down like young, young, upwardly mobile professional business suit dude sat down and like, and like, it seemed like he was trying to impress me. He was like, Oh, this is this is my third flight this month. And you know, and I was like yeah. this is my fourth flight this week. <laughs> you, you know? Like and, and I mean it was totally true. I just looked at it, I was like, man, dude like like and anyway, I was just like really I lived in two places. I had a I had a a studio in Kansas City and I had Anyway, whatever. doesn't matter. I got super tired, and I discovered that music as a profession wasn't going to work for me. So, so I just bailed. I just dropped out and became a snowboard bum. 
and, uh, and, and spend a, a winter. This is so many more details than I usually add to the story. Um, <laughs> at any rate, some time passed. Yeah, I, I noticed that Betsy isn't isn't uh, trying to chime in to add details. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to well, like I like what he yet. did. But yeah, you didn't know me either when you were chiming in on me. Yeah, but that's yeah. cool. You chiming cool. in on your own story. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So so anyway, after a while of of attempting to not play music for a living, I did a bunch of other stuff. Um, uh, fast forward to Texas one morning when you woke up. To, Fast forward to Texas one morning, instead of waking up and saying coffee, I woke up and I said, I'm going to buy a banjo today. Yeah. I don't know why, but like it just happened. I just sat up and I said, I'm going to buy a banjo today. And I drove, I was in Wimberley, Texas, and I drove into Austin and I bought a banjo. Now, was there some sort of like, I think a lot of people, when they impulsively decide to buy a banjo, there's some sort of, um, desire for the banjo as like a fetish object of authenticity is it was there something like that going no, on no 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 this is what's super weird about it is there was nothing like like it doesn't even make like no it like i mean it was you didn't think it was gonna like fix you or something you're no, just like good, why not it was it was a complete non sequitur Huh. Like and, and I lived by myself, so like most of like I had two dogs and me in a barn in the middle of nowhere outside of Wimberley, Texas, and so like my most of my conversations were with myself, and and it was a complete non sequitur. Like like I sat up, I said I'm going to buy a banjo today, out of out of nothing leading to that, like. N- you know, like I don't know what, and I was, and then my immediately re, immediate response to myself was, "Good idea," you know. <laughs> and then I, and then I drove to Austin and bought a banjo, and then uh, I I loved the Stanley Brothers, so I got the banjo home and I was like, "What am I going to do with this?" And so I I took my, uh, uh, this was before streaming, so like if we had stuff on our computer, we had actual files of it. So I I took my um, my Stanley Brothers recordings and I put them in the slow downer, and I just started transcribing um, Ralph Stanley banjo breaks um, one note at a time at obscenely slow tempos in order to understand how the banjo works, and uh, and that's I mean that's how I came to the banjo was like I randomly decided to buy a banjo. And then Ralph Stanley, early Stanley Brothers, um, in the slow downer is um, how I figured out how to play. Great, that's, <laughs> that's it. lovely. Yeah, you just woke, woke up. I just woke up. Yeah. that was it. That was it. it. And and I never ever intended to do it for any sort of career or anything. At that point, I was done playing music for a living. And it was seriously for my own, for my own gratification, right? Because the, my understanding is that I may be totally wrong, but like East Texas, like string band music, it's not necessarily like a banjo heavy music. It's not like banjo is in the water, right? Like for you, yeah, no, up. yeah, yeah, no. It's 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 really not. That's not. Hmm. It's not a banjo heavy region. 
at all, for sure. In that, in that sound, the banjo is right. like a big integral part of it, for sure. Oh, I mean, I was already a guitar player and stuff. Like, I already played guitar my whole life. So, so it's not like I was learning string instruments when I learned the banjo. Right. Like, I played guitar my whole life, and I played cello my whole life, be- way before I decided to learn banjo. So, uh, you had some intermediate steps. I did. I yeah, did. it makes sense. But yeah, but yeah, no, uh, banjo's really not in the northeast Texas water. It's really not. That's that's good. It's good uh, thing to think about. Let's do uh, another tune. Let's hear another tune, and then um, I would love to hear how you two met each other. Guitar. Oh, you get guitar. Yeah, I'd love to play the guitar. Sounds good, Cameron. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Well, just because it's been something that has uh, uh, kind of resurfaced lately, uh, we'd like to share a song um, that I wrote quite a quite a while ago. Um, and uh, well, there's a couple things about it. Um, one is it's going to be out there in the uh, the public world anew uh it's been released before but it's going to be out again uh coming up this spring uh thanks to um a project that aaron marshall and rachel eddie spearheaded uh called old yeah the sweethearts <laughs> project and we were so honored and and overjoyed to be asked to be a part of it and so uh we decided to put this song of mine on there as well as a fiddle tune and um, an Ozark fiddle tune, of course. Um, but uh, um, the song goes back a number of years, but it is a, uh, the title of it is Question to Lay Your Burden Down. But it's really an answer song, except this may be like a little uh, nod to Doctor Who fans. It's a bit timey-wimey because this song comes from a response to my friend Mark Smeltzer's song called Lay Your Burden Down, which he wrote when he was in a band that was part of the kind of um, the young era of um, acoustic and electric bands growing in Kansas City in the mid-90s, right around the time that I was uh, uh, starting to immerse myself in old-time music. And... Mark had this band called Trouble in Mind, which was blues-based, but old-school blues. Like, you know, Mark is deeply educated with, like, the music from the Mississippi Sheiks and, and just so much mm. really old-time blues. And he's got that soul of him that is like that. Um, and he wrote a song called Lay Your Burden Down that was always an impactful song to me. And many years later... I was just thinking about that song a lot, and I, I, I wanted to write something in response to it. But really, what I realized was that Mark's song represented a type of answer to me for the struggles and the trials and tribulations that we all deal with on an internal level, and they, you know, sometimes raise their ugly heads. And you know, in this last year of dealing with pandemic times and all the additional challenges that we all face during it, it's kind of come back to me again. So Hmm. Clark and I recently recorded it. It'll come out a little different today. But the whole thing is, is this song would not exist were it not for 
an incredible song that my longtime friend Mark Smeltzer wrote. So you don't hear the words, question to lay your burden down sure. in the song, but it references his song. Oh, you have a thing. No, that's beautiful. Oh, thanks. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't have too much of a thing, but you said it'll come out a little <laughs> bit different. And, and, yeah. and my question is, what, what key is it going to come out of? It well, it's still going to stay in A. Okay, perfect. Great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to give you question to lay your burden Would down. Would you like me to kick it up? Mm-hmm. Thank you.
Hmm. I always have to figure out how to be an interviewer after like pensive songs or tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to yeah. think about my life for a minute. <laughs> that's that's gorgeous. Know. That's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Again, it wouldn't exist if it weren't for my friend yeah. Mark Spencer getting it going, you know. And uh, you know, it's not his his version's not readily digitally available. Mm. I might have to talk to him about that. You know It's beautiful, baby. Oh, thanks, honey. Yeah, it's uh, it takes a specific kind of insight and songwriting skill to write something that's broad enough to be like sort of widely uh, ac- applicable uh, to people's lives, uh, but also to like hit them deeply. And uh, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard work. Thank <laughs> Thanks. You. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's sort that that. You you sort of said it. That is sort of the the holy grail of uh, songwriting, right there. It's like it's very hospitable. Uh, it's like you feel you like to like in your song say something super specific to you, but also say something that like nobody else knows what those specifics are. But it also tells a specific story to them. And and also yanks their heart out is is like that is the holy grail of songwriting right there. That's it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how uh, you two are going to you know uh, delegate to each other how to answer this question, but this is a question to both of you. How did you meet? <laughs> Ready, set, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I let go, Clark go first, it might go on for about an hour. No, but no, you can I, go. I, go. I, you know what? I'll make go. it short, and then you can take it long. Um, <laughs> um, well, well, Betsy and I were both in the in the mid nineties in early nineties, early and mid nineties in in. Uh, <laughs> By mid nineties, I was like all old time, nothing but old time. Anyway, Betsy, in the mid-90s, <laughs> Betsy and I were both in, in bands well-known in Kansas City that mm. were, were frequently playing the same uh, venues. Um, and we had many, many friends in common. But we didn't know each other at all. We did not know each other in the 90s, even though it's ridiculous. The, like, so the first split seven-inch that one of my band's that I ever did, that I, it was a split seven inch. So one band on one side, another sure. band on the other. You know, total. Anyway, I'm familiar with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I know. But we like, so the first split seven inch that I was ever part of, the other band's bass player, who was a good friend of mine at the time, ended up being the bass player in the Wilders. Like years later, though. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, we were less than one degree of separation in that time, and yet we didn't know each other at all. And so we like to say that if we had met then, we would have just fucked it up. Like, <laughs> like we would have fucked it up, you know? Like, uh, I mean... Thank goodness there was a little yeah, bit of... <laughs> yeah, so we, you know... A little so bit instead, of time before it happened. Yeah, so instead we met decades later. And it's and it, and it worked out great. Um, 
it was after I came back to Kansas City, which I'm not going to tell that story. But I came back to Kansas City about six years ago, and uh, and uh, saw Betsy doing a solo show, uh, and I was infatuated, and uh, and then made a point of meeting her at some bars, and then. Um, and at that very first solo show, I remember seeing Clark because I didn't know who he was, but I thought he was really cute. And it all happened at a pretty impactful time because it was uh, very shortly after my father passed away. Hmm. And, um, uh, you know, that's a whole other story on its own. But, um, uh, you know, I was it was my first performance, actually, hmm. after my father passed away, less than a month later. And I was, uh, in that era, I was playing a lot of solo shows. Um, I had released a, 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 my second solo album the year before that, uh, which was actually the first time that Question to Lay Your Burden Down was released. Uh, hmm. And, and um, I would, but I was out there playing fiddle and, and singing with the fiddle and doing solo shows. And, uh, um, I it was a I remember seeing it was a daytime show in a, a really neat past venue here in Kansas City where um, uh, it was like combination flea market venue. Um, oh, cool! And it was a really wonderful place. And I saw this you know cute guy with a cap coming down the aisle. I was like, who is that? But I was concentrating on my show and all that. And then uh, you know we just. Uh, shortly after that, uh, our mutual friend, who was actually a decades-long friend of Clark's and back from his days in those early 90s days when we were in bands in the same scene, uh, he invited me to come to Clark's birthday hangout at a mini-golf thing. And I was like, eh, I don't know, because I was still, you know, I was dealing with stuff, and I didn't know. But we kept running into each other. Um, and, uh, you know, there was definitely a magnetism and Clark was referencing his family pictures, um, that, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, that he was talking about with his uh, musical family. And one of these places where we ran into each other, I was deep in conversation with someone and Clark bounced up like trigger, like, like Tigger and, and, you know, interrupted the conversation. Surprise, surprise. And said, I want to show you these pictures. Look at these photos. My mom just sent me. <laughs> Okay, hang hang on. Okay, I'll be right there. And I look, you know, and I see him, you know, porch players and, you know, pictures from the 30s and such with the guitar players and fiddle players. And I was like, well, that's really cool, you know. And we orbited around each other for a few months and, and got to know each other. And, and definitely the pull was there. Um, we, we became a, a couple before we ever played music together. And, in fact, because Clark was still... He was starting to. He brought his banjo out with some of his other friends uh, during that time, the summer of 2014, and then by fall of 2014, um, well, there's a, a festival that's been going on in Winfield, Kansas, for over 40, almost 50 years now, uh, the Walnut Valley Festival, and I've been a part of that festival for a long time. The Wilders played it a dozen times. I'd played it uh, in different capacities. Um, uh, and and did workshops there and just oh had been, I've been going to Winfield since about 1994 or five and uh, never missed a year until this last year with pandemic right and uh, so I was there in that that year working for my fiddle luthier who had a shop on site and um, Clark and I had just really 
officially kind of gotten together. He got to come down like a day or so after I was down there, and he brought his banjo. And so I was working at my fiddle luthier shop, doing, you know, front of house stuff. Not, not, I don't do luthier stuff. Anyway, had my bicycle with me uh, that year at the festival, and I rode my bike back to camp. And because Clark was just, it was his first time at Winfield, he just got to hang out and was having a great time. It was maybe your first full day there. And and I got back uh, to camp and, and rolled up on my bike, and he just like, you know, I, I hadn't even dismounted the bike. And he, he, he ran up to me with his banjo in hand and started playing. And it was the first time I heard him play banjo. I was just like, okay. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but here it was. He's like, play the banjo. I'm like, hang on, let me get off my bike for a second. <laughs> Sense of theme here going on. And uh, um, he told me later, you know, it was, he just had to get it out of the way. He'd been like, you know, working, playing his banjo and practicing, just getting his hands on it all day. And he just, he had to get that moment over with playing the banjo for me. And then I believe it was that very Wait, same Was night. it because it was like a potentially stressful moment or something? But yeah. Cause well, yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean, I was, this is a closet banjo player. Like I, I decided to play the banjo like for completely personal, private reasons. Like, yeah. like it wasn't something that I shared with people. It was something mm. that I, that I did for me. Um, mm. Even though, you had seen me play music. Oh, well, uh, yes, I'd seen you play keyboards. I was terrified. Yeah. He's like a mad scientist on, mm. on the, yeah. I mean, like an absolute so, yeah. brutal genius. So, yeah, yeah, I, and I wasn't asking you to say that, but I was just. For, <laughs> I know you weren't. For, 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 for context, I just wanted to provide that, like, she knew you had, she came and saw me play. Piano with jazz sure. ensembles, so she knew that I was a musician and a competent musician, and so so we were on those terms. But at the same time, I had never played banjo for her, and I knew her as a great old time fiddler. Mm. And ban- banjo was just a banjo was a thing that brought me back to music, that kept me separate from prep professional music. Yeah. It sure. was just something that I did and but uh, and when 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 you two coupled up i guess that wasn't part of the expectation that uh this would mm. that you would have a compatible musical discipline not at all no not we just you know we not, just you know we just fell in love we, we, you we, know we, we coupled up to couple up we did not couple up because because uh of of musical collaboration but yet if it wasn't that night it was the next night after you know our campsite jam with all of our friends from the fiddle shop um that uh uh we clark and i stayed up later than everybody else and we're we're, we started to do stuff with just the two of us Mm. and we played something together that you know it was a fairly complex but beautiful not not a driving fast fiddle tune but but a real pretty fiddle tune and and we played it and he it would just it just worked and I was like well that was really great and who which one of us was it that said I don't know some, one of I, us maybe said, I was like maybe we should that. maybe we should do this together and it yeah. was like oh and the duo Betsy and Clark was born mm. and I mean like never looked back it was like we never intended that to be you know um, mm. and and yet it was meant to be I suppose right yeah that's lovely uh, yeah. I mean there's all sorts of different kinds of old time couples there's actually been a lot of like uh kind of funny um 
online commentary about the nature of old time couples since that album was <laughs> was I, announced. I saw which is, a little uh, bit of that. I'm, 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 I saw a little bit I'm, of that. That's I'm sure, hilarious. I'm sure it's, <laughs> yeah, some, yeah. some fun. Yeah, uh, some fun I think chatter. That it's, yeah, I, I I think that it's really interesting. Like a lot of times when these old time couples get together, it's it's almost like a. There's almost like some sort of musical dowry or something, you know, and I, th- uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to be critical at all, but there's like this like expectation of what your lives are going to be like together, you know, or your relationship for how long, ever long it lasts for each individual couple, you know, it's like this, there's this kind of like weight to that. And, uh, I feel like this is kind of new for like you two both knew how to play, um, like traditional music that was compatible with each other separately and that just wasn't part of the equation uh until it was like as an afterthought i just i've never really heard that yeah 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 no i mean you i mean you just nailed it it was like like we had chemistry and we we had we had some musics in common as far as like traditional old-time music she was much more of a master at it than i was but we both had music and 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 seriously we both could have just come together as a couple and she could have pursued her musical uh uh ventures and i could have pursued mine and we'd still be a perfectly happy couple you know yeah and, and, that's and great yet, and 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 oh. yet and yet we also just decided this it also what we did together just really worked so you know, we but but whether whether we played old time or not, we'd still be a happy couple. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, what? <laughs> not that it has to be an old time tune next, but what are we? We got one more before we talk about where to go to keep up with everything that you two do, and what do you want to play next? I don't know. Well, I mean, I was just I got my fiddle tuned down in the D A D tuning. I still haven't. I haven't played guitar at all. Yes, you did. You just played it on Question to Lay Your Burden On. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Scroll <laughs> <laughs> back. This to is tape. where we are, folks. No, but you know what Clark said? I honestly, like, it was, it was, it was really interesting when we first started playing the music part together after just so recently becoming a couple. And, um, yeah, tons of music for both of us in our past, like figuring it out, you know, it was just an interesting process, but it's taken us some surprising places, you know, including, um, in the last couple of years, we, we formed a band with another musical couple from across the state over in St. Louis, Missouri with, um, that's terrible with our, my longtime friend from, for decades ago, Ryan Spearman, who was in a band at the time I had the Wilders. Uh, Ryan had a band out of Colorado called High on the Hog. And they, they, we met in Kansas City when Ryan's band High on the Hog played the Rural Grit Happy Hour, which is now a 22 years running. The Rural Grit Happy Hour is a weekly show that's produced by my friends. And in fact, Mark Smeltzer, who wrote Lay the, the the original Lay My Burden Down song, uh, Lay Your Burden Down. Um, uh, 
he uh, he and his wife Kim they're the ones that make this show happen every week so all these things intertwining and I met Ryan at that show and fast forward some years he married his his beautiful wonderful wife and now one of my best friends too Kelly Wells and they have a a duo together the Aching Hearts and we had we got back in touch some years before Clark and I got together and then the next thing we knew we formed a band with Ryan and Kelly and our dear common friend uh, Krista Victor who plays bass out of Lawrence, Kansas and we've got this band Short Round String Band and we've been doing that for a couple of years although we haven't seen each other now in a year but at any rate the thing is um, none of those things would have happened if Clark and I had coupled up but we hadn't started doing the music together and to mm. have the experience of being in another we we had a, a local string band with some dear friends of ours it was really wonderful fun um but there's something that's really special about with our friends ryan and kelly with short round that it's tapping into a thing that i mean i lived in a string band world for 16 years with the wilders and there's nothing like that experience until now we're starting to, we we were starting to feel that and we will mm. again when we can get back together again but none of that would have happened if Clark and I hadn't started making our music together you know mm. and so yeah we'll share with you a a little um a tune and a song put together that's uh some music I've been playing for decades I used to play it in the schools I had a um, my first first time a first full-time music gig um Back, starting back in 1999, was playing uh, for uh, a national group called Young Audiences, and they have a Kansas City chapter. And I played in a performance band, but I also did classroom workshops with fourth graders, um, teaching them Cute. about Kansas cultural history through song. And I'd go in there with my fiddle, and I'd sing, and I'd you know we'd talk about the stories behind these songs. And uh, uh, both of these were part of that repertoire that I used to play for them, and it. It's some of the stuff that Clark and I have been playing, you know, since the time we got together. But I was playing it as solo before. It goes way back in the catalog of Betsy and Clark over six years. That's a long time ago now, right? <laughs> Not exactly. How's that fiddle tune there? So it's tune D D A D going in that low, low droney tuning. Um, the first tune is Dry and Dusty from the Morrison Twin hey. Brothers String Brand. Yeah, it's not, It's definitely become more personalized over the years. But it's great classic Ozark tune, absolutely. And um, and then uh, the old cowboy song, there's many cousins of this cowboy song. We're going to do the one called I Ride an Old Paint.
to Denver and the other went wrong. His wife went down in a pool room fight and he sings his old song from morning to night. those those banjo triplets at the end oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what three figures are for <laughs> so we just got one tune left but before we do that uh where do we go to buy all your stuff or study with you or whatever this is the yeah. call to action portion of the show Oh, cool. Well, so before we talk about specifically where, that's a great question. Study with, buy, um, study with. We we are both... Hire back, like when things are, when people are yeah, hiring things, yeah, booking. exactly. But I love the idea of study with because Betsy and I are both, we didn't talk about this much yet, but we're both really dedicated educators. We've both spent the last uh, quite a number of years of our lives really besides playing actually thinking about and discussing and and exploring um music education and and effective methods and yeah. so i right. mean you know as a couple um i'd say 80% of the conversations that we have in in our normal life around the house revolve around experiences or insights that we have about music education specifically mm. that's like most of what we talk about except for like what's for dinner and <laughs> stuff like that you know sure. uh, but like like it it uh, really uh i mean i love being a creative musician and i love and it's it's easy for me to do that um to just like get into like what can I make? What can I discover? But I really love figuring out ways to transmit that to, to other people 
at every different level of relationship with music and to, and, and to figure out effective ways to help other people mm. have a relationship with music. And Betsy does too. That's, that's, it's, 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 it's one of our, our deep, deep callings in life. So um, that was a long way to say, if you go to BetsyandClark.com. You can, you can find out <laughs> you a can, lot more you, about it. You can, you can hit us up. I'll take it over. Yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, that stuff will probably show up on the screen. But if you're just listening, and it won't be because it's a podcast. So B-E-T-S-E. I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah in the yeah. show notes. But uh, we both have an E at the end of our name. So B-E-T-S-E. Yeah. A-N-D, we don't use the ampersand on the web address, it doesn't work sure. that way, and yeah. Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E.com. And there's a tab on there that's called Instruction and Recording, because there are lots of different uh, uh, services that we love to provide, and instruction can be private lessons, we also teach workshops, I've been doing an ongoing, uh, one after another, a series of classes teaching for the uh, Folk School of St. Louis, as I mentioned, but... Um, also, with Clark's uh, engineering experience, he can do, uh, re- well, right now we can't have people into the studio to record, sure. but we can do um, uh, things long distance. And both of us uh, have have provided a number of times over the years, not just this last year, uh, recording tracks. You want a fiddle track right. on something. You right. want some, you know, guitar, banjo, and, and piano. Go ahead. Exactly. Rem- remote session work. We can do, yeah. Yeah, we can. Any of that for a session we can do. If you need a fiddle on a track, we can provide studio quality as well as Betsy quality fiddle. Yeah. (laughs) For your track, you know, and and, and banjo, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, drums, percussion, piano, whatever. We, so, so we can, we, we can do remote session work with our related instruments. As and we have, and we have been, you know, over the last year. That's that's been. definitely come up a number of times, and it's something that, until we can all get together again in person, it's it's been a, a meaningful way to connect with other artists, other music makers, mm. other composers and songwriters, um, and so we really it we we get a, a great deep joy from having those kinds of connections. We have a Bandcamp mm. page too. I forget how those URLs work, but I think it's Betsy and Clark slash or dot bandcamp.com you know search for us something yeah. like that and, and I'll put Clark, it in the show notes mm-hmm. yeah Clark has one too for um, some of his new music that he's he's been writing we have one for Short Run String Band as well and uh, I'm I'm thinking you know there's probably a couple website updates I need to do to put mm-hmm. those links in there too but I have a I have a bunch of work that I've done some short films and some original music that I've done uh, that is all on my Clark's in Space YouTube page. Um, so C L A R K E S I N S P A C E Clark's in Space uh, on YouTube is my okay. user, and um, there's a bunch of stuff. But but we will put a playlist of my favorite stuff that I've done in the last couple of years on BetsyandClark.com tomorrow or soon. Great. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh playing us some tunes and uh I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while ever since Chris Stableford uh and I started talking 
that's probably one of the first things she said to me, which is, when are you going to have Betsy and Clark on? I'm sorry it took so long. Uh, I was reminded of you two when I recently had Annie Standinets on the show, and we played Old Dirty Boot. Oh, oh no way! Yeah, it was the best. And I was like, oh, wow, Annie. this tune rules. I gotta, ha- I gotta have them on the show. So. That's yes. super cool. What a yeah. wonderful... A uh, reminder of that, and uh, Annie, she's so wonderful. Oh, that's great, Cameron. You know what? A, what a pleasure to do. And you know, there's so many different uh, things that happen in life, and this last year especially. But it's never too late to do it. We're just honored to be a part of your show right now. I mean, get up in the cool, man. We feel like we got up in the cool with you, and we appreciate you. <laughs> it's so Likewise. fun. It was so. It it was really so fun to connect and. Just what you said about all these con- the connections about playing, it just mm. it just hit me really hard in the heart about like that ultimately is what it's all about like mm. actually seeing people in real life and like and like even if you run out of things to say like you can just have a tune. <laughs> <laughs> And then all of a sudden you have all these things to say and you have these 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 mm. connections that that these interpersonal connections with people that just hop from one person to another globally but they just transcend cosmically at the same time because it's about music and it just like just mentioning what you mentioned reminded me that we're sitting here on a streamer in a studio talking about this stuff and (laughs) how disconnected it is to feel right now with Mm. with a thing that is truly meant to happen it's waveforms in the air it's truly meant to happen face to face and and i really can't wait until I see all of you, everyone yeah. of you. Like I'm talking to everyone that's listening to this podcast right now. Every single person. Yeah. There's there's no exception. Which if means you that you all have to pod- behave. If you listen to this podcast, <laughs> you gotta you get say, vaccinated. And you see me in real life next whenever, and say I listen to this podcast, and you said. If you say, do you want to have a tune, you will say yes, then that is what's happening. Like anyone that listens to this podcast that wants to have a tune with me ever, all you have to say is want to have a tune and we'll have a tune. And I cannot wait to have a tune with you in real life. It means more than anything I can possibly imagine right now. What what a lovely uh, aspirational invitation i think we're gonna get there i think it's gonna happen yeah i think we will get it's, there. there's gonna be like a lot of happy tears you know oh yeah. and <laughs> i mean it's just yeah i'm gonna i i i like to use those old-fashioned handkerchiefs and and mm-hmm. i know i'm just gonna always have to have a whole <laughs> bunch of them in my bag uh and in pockets and everything yeah. to do yeah yeah a lot of le- relearning how to hug I think there's going to be a lot I of know. just like, how do we do this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so, uh, it's so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do Get with my hands. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, th- th- thank you so much for having us be part of this. It's been My really- pleasure. What's, what are we, uh, what's the last one? On the last I don't year? know. 
That's well, though. It's I I do know. Um, actually, and and I thought maybe it would be that anyway. But uh, then after mentioning Annie playing, that's an honor, man. When people start playing your fiddle tunes out there in the world, that's like a huge, deep honor. And and it wasn't something I set out to do in the world. But back again, and those you know those those. I guess you could call them late formative years because I was an adult when the Wilders started, but um, it was still my formative years. And when we started adding original music to the lexicon, I've never been a prolific songwriter. I really have not written too many songs in my life, but um, I thought, well, maybe someday I'll start writing fiddle tunes. And I wasn't in a rush, but, you know, actually as I keep on going and, and studying all of, all of, the elders and those who have passed and all that and like where'd this tune come from and and you end up finding out that you know a tune that was recorded you know you could say 80 years ago or 100 years so and so wrote it if they know we don't always know but sometimes we find out about that and it's like oh they made up that tune well no one oh yeah i'm thinking of uh um fred stone king missouri fiddler Mm. this tune that it was in my head because I'd seen it and then I hadn't studied it until over this last year. And it's called Butter the Other Side, and uh, uh, which is like wow. such a – oh, it's really fabulous. And there's a lovely little story, but I won't go on. But, uh, but he made it up. Of course, it's got like little relations to other things, you know, but things like that. And so before I really intended to set out writing fiddle tunes – Again, I'll harken back to my friends with the Rural Grit Happy Hour. We would have these gatherings and play music, and it wasn't by any means even half of it was old time, although there was old country blues and things like that and different kinds of music. We were having a wintertime gathering playing music in the basement at Kim and Mark's house, and I went upstairs to get a drink of water or something. I had my fiddle in my hand, and I sat down, and this tune came out, and so it was the very first fiddle tune that I wrote, and... I've been honored that other people have played it, and perhaps most notably, uh, my our great friends in Foghorn String Band. They've mm. played this this tune a whole lot, and I thank them for spreading it around. Now we're recording this show with you, Cameron, in February, but you know, wasn't too long ago. It was January, and the name of this tune is January Waltz.
Visit BetsyandClark.com to study with Betsy and Clark, learn more about their music, hire them for studio work, and book them. You can also find links to their Bandcamp page there, so go buy all their music. And follow Clark on YouTube at his channel, Clark's in Space. All that is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series and check the notes for links to my February banjo workshops. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. We just started season 17, so this is a great jumping on point. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, that and everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thank you for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. <laughs>